Today we are going to be kicking off week seven of our eight-week series. So we're almost there. And our series is called The Cure. It's really been a great summary or wrap-up of what it means to be a Christian. We've looked at the gospel in four weeks. We've looked at culture. We've looked at personal and church renewal. Um, And we're now going to be moving into mission. And there's the reason that the series starts with the gospel, is we can't hope to change our culture. We can't hope to impact anyone else unless we have a really good, solid, accurate picture and grasp of the gospel. So today, having laid the foundation, uh, we're now going to move in the, to the first of two weeks in this uh, subcategory called Mission. Next week's going to be on justice, and this week we're going to be looking at evangelism and community. And both of these aspects of mission are best understood, like many things, being watched, watching how someone executes them, watching how it's done. And I've been very blessed to be able to watch Greg, my husband, who's great in the area of evangelism. I've been able to watch Kieran and Grant, who live lives intertwined with this community. While I was preparing just last week, um, I had a real life example, uh, it was quite nice timing, um, of Greg sharing his life with one of his friends and sharing his faith. His friend is an investment banker in the UK and has been going through a very difficult time. He's moved out from his wife and kids, he's been suffering from an alcohol addiction, um, and a very smart, successful guy but just struggling with what is life all about and can I continue to find my meaning and acceptance in this high-pressure culture that's breaking me down, that's forcing me to coping mechanisms. Um, And just watching how Greg engaged and just listening for so long and just being there as a friend for so long, but then also and ultimately being vulnerable and brave enough to share. I personally don't find my value and acceptance in my career. It's a blessing, but I find my acceptance somewhere else. If there was something that was destroying my life, I would have to put it aside because alcohol, money, success, I know doesn't make me happy. I find that strength in my God and he's able to share some resources. And that's sometimes quite a scary thing to do. Um, Sometimes even more so when you've known the person since you're a little boy or little girl. But as I suspected that neither Greg or the Edmund family would be happy to role play for us today to learn, we have to dive into text instead. Um, And we're going to be diving into the lives of Christians in a city of Thessalonica and learning about how people shared the message of the gospel with them and how they continued to share it with others. I feel like I have been delegating already too much of my duties, but Asisipo has kindly offered to read for us. Um, So I'm just going to call her up, and she's going to be reading the scripture today. If you have your Bibles, if you could turn to 1 Thessalonians, we're going to be reading from chapter 1. If you don't have your Bibles, there's always next week, please. Um, It's such a great way to dive into the text ourselves. So let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 4 to 10. Thanks, Asi. Morning, church. So 1 Thessalonians 1, reading from verse 5 to 10. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know, 
what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what matter of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Thank you, you, Asim. And we skipped some of the background here. We've just dived straight in. So just a bit of a reminder is Paul went and shared the gospel of Jesus with the city in Thessalonica. And they then received that message and they went on to share it with many others. And that's where we dive in here. That's what we're reading about. So how do we see the people in Thessalonica coming to faith? And there's really this beautiful combination of three things. If we're looking at verse five and six, We're told that they come to faith through the word, that it came to them through the word. We're told that they come to faith through seeing the conduct of Paul and his companions. And we see that is that Paul highlights, you know the kind of men we were among you for your sake. And we know that they come to faith through the power of the Holy Spirit in verse five and six. And we know for some people, they come to faith in a dramatic way moment. Uh, Paul himself was like this. You might have had a vision, you might have had no one else around you. But for many of us, it's a bit of a more gradual process. It's watching people's lives, it's being told about the gospel, it's asking questions, and it's a bit of a journey. And I came across this nice proverb, which I'm definitely not going to read the Susutu part of, but it, it really just creates this picture of multiple different things that might seem extremely small at one time, a conversation here, a prayer there, seeing something in some uh, Christian's life uh, coming together in this culmination of faith. But no matter how dramatic or gradual the decision is, it has to ultimately be that. It has to be an intentional decision to follow Christ uh, for us to be considered part of God's family. And we know that the people in Thessalonica went on to share what they heard. Um, Paul's commending them for their uh, evangelism. But how exactly did they share their newfound faith with the people in Macedonia and beyond? When we want to know how to do something, We often look to someone who's done it before us. When we're getting married, we might look to a couple that we think has an extremely strong relationship. I'm sure Philippa has been chatting to many different people as she's uh, approaching her wedding day. When you're about to have kids, you might be looking to parents who you would like to emulate their styles. And so here, it's not a formula for every situation, but it's an example that God's given us of effective gospel sharing, and so we want to pay attention. So we're going to be looking in verse uh, 8 and 10 of the same passage, uh, and we're going to really see what the people in Thessalonica went on to do. What did they actually share? We told that they shared how they themselves heard God's word in verse 9, the manner of entry we had into you, how Paul and his companions came to them, how they shared the gospel, how they came to faith. That's the first thing. 
The second thing is we're told that they also did I just lose it? There we go. They also shared how everything they once held as ultimate, that they thought was the most valuable thing in their lives, seems fake. It seems like an idol. It seems uh, worthless in the sight of this one and true God that they found. And we see that in verse 9. They told how they turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And then they also told the gospel. They told how Jesus was risen, how he forgives us and delivers us from punishment that is ours. If we look at verse 10, it says, How you wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So to summarize, how did they actually share their faith? They shared how they came to faith. They shared their personal faith story. They shared the actual gospel. What is it that they believe? But they also shared how it impacted them, how it changed their perspective, how things that they once thought were important, they've realized are not important, and they found the one and true God. And this sounds fairly intuitive. It sounds uh, not at all overwhelming or challenging when we put it like that. It sounds like something that every one of us can do. We don't need to be as well-researched as Greg in apologetics in order to engage in that kind of conversation. We don't bring people to faith. That sounds like a big task. Uh, but each, each one of us is able to share, as the Thessalonians did, um, their story and how it impacted them. But I want to touch quite briefly on one aspect that seems to often put us off sharing our faith. That when we see a sermon on evangelism, we get that little underlying feeling of guilt and shame, like we're not quite doing it right. Um, and that's often because we feel like we don't have all the answers to people's questions. We're happy to share a little bit, but if they kind of scratch beneath the surface, we're a bit scared what they're going to uncover, that we actually don't know about the origins of the universe or quantum physics, or how do we explain the suffering in the world. And I believe that we must be intentional about learning some of the objections people often have to faith, about researching some of these, so that we are prepared and we are equipped to answer people's questions as best we can to our ability. We're not all going to do it at the level of Oxford professors. We're not going to have the answers. And it's helpful when we're honest and transparent about what we don't know, when we point people to different resources. But it shouldn't feel like a burdensome thing. It shouldn't feel like something that scares us or we feel unequipped to do. God's not calling us beyond our uh, skills, beyond our education levels. And for everyone, this is going to look a little bit different. I've tried really hard to sit with Greg through a C Stephen C. Meyer audiobook, um, and I just can't. I find it so boring. Um, talk about science and molecules and the specifics. Um, but I have watched numerous debates. I was a very uncool university student with Greg in my res room looking at debates of Christians and atheists debating the big questions about life. Um, and that's quite engaging for me. I love C.S. Lewis who writes a book, Mere Christianity, that's very accessible for me, it's very illustrative, and maybe for you it's just discussing with someone, discussing what are some of the big objections, uh, how do we think about suffering in our Christian faith. Um, so even if we can't all speak about Dawkins or John Lennox or answer the difficult questions, some of us should, and if that's you, you should continue to research. Uh, Greg's definitely one of them. But if you're not up 
feel like you're up to that standard, you're still able to do it in your own way. You're still able to contemplate that because each one of us is gonna come into contact with someone who has questions. And the only reason we're called to be prepared is because we want to be able to help them. We want to be able to answer those questions as best we can. So the result of Paul's evangelism to the Thessalonians were saved lives from the scriptures, what we see. They weren't just ticks on the Christian box, um, but they were fruitful lives. We see from the scripture that they went on to imitate Christ's behavior. They went on to tell other people. And from verse six and seven, yes, we are there. We see that Thessalonians became followers of Christ's, that they imitated Christ's and Paul's behaviors, that their lives served as examples to other believers, um, and they shared their faith as well. And it seems to me that they recently received their faith and they were so excited to share it. They had this fundamental shift in their lives and sharing it then seemed to happen quite naturally or quite organically. And I can kind of relate to that because if I find a new running route, I love trail running. And as I'm even on the new trail route, I'll be looking at the mountains, the sea, the proteas, but I'm only half there because I'm also always thinking if Greg, for whatever reason, is not with me, I must remember to go here, 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 because I have to bring him. I want to show him this, or I must tell my friend about this. And there might be some blank looks if you shudder just thinking about exercise, um, but you can think whatever else you relate to. If you find a company that's hiring uh, people of certain skills, you might want to go out and tell your friends, let's go try, we're all looking for work. If you find out some people did that home affairs is extending your type of visa soon and you know other people in that category, you want to go tell them, let us do this. Um, it might be as simple as finding Black Friday special that's an actual special uh, and you want to share with people. Um, this series is called The Cure. If we found the cure to cancer, the cure to loneliness, the cure to something fundamental in our lives, it would be impossible to keep it. And that's really the position that the people in Thessalonians, that's not a word, Thessalonica were coming from. They were coming from the position that they have received Christ and they want to share it. And that's the position we as Christians should come from as well. Sometimes our performance culture can lead us in the world to think that it's for a different reason we speak about evangelism, that we do evangelism. It's because we want people to think we write. Maybe they think it's from a spirit of intolerance. We just can't take people that are different from us. They think we wanna win people to our side. They think we wanna make more money, more seats, more tithes. Um, and sometimes the way we share the message, those criticisms might seem valid, but that's completely the wrong idea. The reason we share our faith is because we believe it. And if we really believe it, if we know Christ is life itself, if we know the transforming power that it's had in our lives, we know that we are fully accepted. We know that we are free for the first time when we come to Christ. We'll find that it's impossible not to share it with others, how Christ has turned our lives upside down in the best way possible. And we know that Jesus calls us in Matthew 28 to share the gospel. We know it's also an instruction, um, but it should really come so naturally and organically anyway. And if we don't have that urge, if we're sitting in this room and we don't feel like we really need to tell others about God, then we probably need to consider what our appreciation of this glorious God really is. 
perhaps we've never fully grasped it. Maybe we've been in church communities since we were little. We grew up in church schools, our family was Christian, but as we chatted about earlier in the message, we never actually had that personal relationship. We never took that step where we said, we want to follow you, Christ. What does that mean? Maybe we've just become dull. Maybe we've become proud and arrogant, forgetting that we are saved by grace, forgetting that we're only saved through Christ. And we might find that's us if we're finding it tricky to find something thankful for. We're just complaining all the time. Maybe we've lost the idea of grace. And this lack of uh, desire to share God is really an indicator, an uh, alert sign of our spiritual state. Charles Spurgeon puts it a lot more bluntly than I am. He says, every Christian is either a missionary, being someone telling people about God, or an imposter. That's fairly strong language. An imposter is someone who sits in church, but is not actually a Christian, who calls himself a Christian, but is not actually a Christian. Every Christian is either a missionary, sharing Christ, or an imposter. So indifference towards others should be a warning sign for us that something is seriously wrong and that we need to get on our knees and ask our Father to open our eyes to his glory and to the life that we have in him or can have in him. So how do we do that? Um, I would encourage us to look to the Christian community in Acts, to look how they earnestly studied Christ together, to look how they met together, discussed, prayed together with other Christians to discover the gospel message. So let's continue to study what uh, the people in Thessalonica did and how they did the evangelism and see what we can draw from the example. As he's going to come and read for us once more, if you have your Bible, we're still in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, but we're going to be looking at chapter 2 from verse 4 to 8. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So, affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. Thank you, Asim. So we've considered some examples of how we can share our faith. We've considered some of the motivation why we share our faith, why we feel compared. And now we're going to consider a little bit the posture when we do share our faith. What is our approach to sharing? And when Paul and his companions and his friends engaged the people in Thessalonica about the gospel, he gives this very powerful image. He says he did it as a breastfeeding mother. That is such a powerful image for me. There's no space for harshness. There's no space for condemnation, condemnation for judgment, defensiveness. When a mother looks down at her child, she's not thinking, you can't do this for you. I'm better than you. And that's the image that Paul's trying to put in our mind. And sometimes as Christ followers, our evangelism can be hindered when we forget that we're only part of God's family because of undeserved grace. 
And when we engage with someone who doesn't know God, we need to always bear in mind they might be more informed about the world. They might be more intelligent than us. They might be better parents than us, a more loving spouse, a more generous citizen. So when we share the gospel, we don't see ourselves as aid workers uh, sharing to beneficiaries. We are the beneficiaries. Um, As someone often puts it, we are beggars telling other beggars where to get bread. So we engage with gentleness, with patience, with humility, always with the only goal of love and seeing others come to that amazing experience of having a relationship with God. We see in verse 4 to 6 that there are no alternative motives. There's no desire to show how holy we are, to win people's approval. They shared with the people in Thessalonica out of love. And Paul was in a pretty good position to adopt this approach of humility, to understand the place of grace that he was coming from and how God desires to save all people. And I say that, we're going to look at a scripture in Timothy now, because Paul himself has quite a unique story. And if you don't know it, I would encourage you to read up on it in the Bible. We're not going to go into his full story. But in the scripture here in Timothy, this is just how Paul describes himself. He says he was a blasphemer, someone who spoke badly about God. He says he was a persecutor, an insolent man. He was ignorant. But Christ came into the world to save sinners, and he thinks he's the biggest sinner out of them. So that's why Paul is able to come from a place of humility and love when he shares the gospel, because he does not feel superior. He feels lowly, but he knows how big his father is. And we're going to struggle to share our faith unless we understand both aspects that we ourselves fall so short of the standard and that God loves all people and has uh, all the power to save every person. And how we might know we're a little bit off track on this path sometimes is when we start to think that there's a type of Christian. And I'm definitely guilty of this. I've often thought and even discussed that my boss would make such a good Christian because he's so humble, he's very kind, He deals with my very opinionated self with so much grace. So I think you'll just fit well in a church. And I I don't always think the same about others, about the minister of home affairs. I don't think there's a soldier for Christ just waiting to be found. But Paul reminds us that Jesus died for all people, and God desires all people to be saved. And if he doesn't exclude anyone from his kingdom... Who are we to place probabilities on people's salvation? Paul certainly himself wouldn't have been at the top of the betters list for the next convert in his day. And yet he came to be a central figure in church history and gave us most of our New Testament. So a fourth key thing we're going to now look at from our case study in Thessalonica is that evangelism, when done effectively, always comes out of community. And we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 2, the same scripture we're looking at previously, from verse 8. Paul says they not only shared the gospel, but they shared themselves. So they shared their whole lives with those who came to faith through these engagements. And how did they share their lives? There's a a scripture in Acts that spells out what Christian community can look like. And I think it's just a practical way of what sharing our lives as believers can be. So it's Acts 2 from verse 42. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, 
in the breaking of bread and in prayers. I'm just skipping uh, one verse. Now all those who believed were together. They had all things in common, and their possessions and goods were divided among all, as everyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. I love that, simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So verse 42, they took time to learn the apostles' doctrine. Today we have that in the Bible. We have the time to learn how to be Christ followers written down for us. They took time to pray. They met in community regularly with believers. And how do we share ourselves with our community, those in the uh, community and those who don't know God? We do it through sharing time together, through being in each other's homes. And sometimes we can think just that act itself uh, is enough, but we need to know each other. The point of meeting more regularly is to know really what's happening in people's lives. And if we're keeping our lives separate, if we're keeping ourselves protected, we'll never fully be in community. We need to know what people are struggling with, what they're celebrating, um, and what their genuine life is going like. And part of that is also meeting each other's financial needs and practical needs. It might be babysitting, it might be fixing someone something that you have the skills to fix, but it's being of assistance to our community members as well. We are just called and uh, showed as well one of our community members today that might need assistance in his move. It's coming together at times like that. But it's also going to be a non-starter for evangelism uh, if we don't... Sorry, I lost my place. It's also going to be a, a non-starter when we don't know any Christians. So we, we source our strength, we source our community in our community of believers. That gives us our grounding, that gives us um, our strength and support to face the rejection that we might find in the world. But then we have to enter the world. And for most of us, that's going to be normal. We've got lots of friends and colleagues and family members who don't know God. But if for whatever reason you find yourself in a bit of a holy huddle um, and you don't know no, non-Christians, then I encourage you to very actively change that, to seek out relationships of people who don't know God. And I mean genuine relationships, because we might all pass someone in a shopping mall, we might have someone serving us that's a non-Christian, but it's very difficult to speak genuinely into their lives. People trust people and people want to find out about what's most important to us when they know us and when they respect us. So to sum up a few things that we've learned from Paul and the people in Thessalonica today is that people are saved only by God. We are saved through the Holy Spirit, but that we get to be co-workers. We get to be walking that journey with our words and conduct, with our lives, people might be coming closer to Christ. Those close to us should know that we Christ followers, as the people in Thessalonica put forward as well. Just as they might know that you married or you have kids, this is a fundamental part of your identity that we need to share wisely, but we need to share. We sang in one of our worship songs today, we want to shout it from the rooftop that you are, we are his. That might not be the most practical way now to evangelize, but the, the heart must be there. We must be comfortable with people knowing that we're Christian. 
And we also need to be sharing beyond that. We need to be sharing intentionally what God has done in our lives. We need to naturally, organically, as the people in Thessalonica did, be sharing how it changed our life. If people are talking about a difficult boss at work, do we take the opportunity to share that what's helped us is our faith in the situation? What's helped us is that that boss's approval is not the final approval that we crave. When we're discussing with a friend how difficult our spouse is, or our marriage is going through a difficult time, do we take the time to also share how our faith has impacted that struggle? How we draw strength from our faith in that moment? And again, if our kids are going through difficulties, if we're struggling to parent, do we take the time to share with our non-Christian friends how our faith gives us guidance? And we must always, as Paul's example, do this gently and wisely and organically, not forcefully, as gently as a mother breastfeeding her child. As beggars showing beggars where to get bread. But crucially, and if it's the one thing that you, that you remember for today, is that we need to regularly reflect on the gospel message. We need to regularly reflect on God's amazing grace in our lives which naturally invigorates us and makes it impossible for us not to share this with people around us. So let us close in prayer now by praying to our God who saves. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. We're going to pray for opportunities and guidance from the Holy Spirit to share our faith, to encourage others, to share gently, humbly, and wisely. And we're going to pray for God's kingdom to come and for more people to come to know him. Please feel free to pray in your own language, uh, pray out loud or quietly, but let's just offer up our prayers, uh, not only for those to be saved that we know, but also for God to use us and to show us opportunities of how we can naturally and wisely share this good news. Thank you, God, that you invite every one of us into a relationship with you. I pray for people in this room now who've never truly known you, God, might have been around, might be their first time, or they might have been in church for years, but they know that this excitement is missing from their lives. God, won't you speak to them? God, won't you draw near to them? Won't you show them your face, God? Fill them with your comfort, Lord. For those of us who've been Christ followers for many years, Lord, we pray you just give us a rediscovery of your goodness, a rediscovery of the grace that we have access to, God. Open our eyes to see the opportunities every day to share this, God. Not in a high-pressure moment, not in a defensive or pushy way, God, but just naturally to share how you impact our lives, God. To share how we can't go through every day without you, Lord. We can't make decisions without knowing that you have our back, Lord. To knowing that you are for us as we sing today, God. We pray that with your Holy Spirit, Lord, we'll be able to venture into more conversations, Lord. We'll be able to um, share our lives more openly, God, than we ever would have been able to before. 